This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yes, yes. Welcome in to the Tim McCartney Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. I am your host, Timothy Michael McKernan, doing the program from my basement where I essentially reside at all times these days. And there is Gangster Pete, fresh off his nine to five. What's the word, Gangster Pete? What's good, fam? <laughs> nice. Very nice. You're an influencer. And right. uh, Action Jackson, uh, wearing a Brooklyn Dodgers, uh, uh, ca- am I right on that? Brooklyn Dodgers hat? Brooklyn Dodgers beanie. I have a T-shirt here next to me in my uh, my drawer. This is my brother's hat that he gave me. So God bless. God bless America. All right, boys. Well, I didn't even put out anything about uh, questions. I barely talked about it, if at all, on on the radio show this week. I didn't put anything on social media. We had so many that I wanted to make sure that I that I got. I mean, I'm looking, scrolling down now. Holy shit, more than I uh, thought. And, uh, and for the purpose of making sure I answer these, cause I feel badly because some people say, Hey, I noticed you didn't answer my question. I feel bad. Maybe if I do this, it's not personal. It's kind of like the text inbox on the radio show. We just get a bunch and we don't, we don't answer them all. So if you do have questions, you do have opinions. We do have erotic stories as well. Send them in, especially over the next uh, week or two when people have some time off. Everything is welcome. Gambling, sex, food political. What else would be good? Name it, boys. What else would we like here? I I feel like I'm leaving obvious things out. Movies. Movies? Yeah, we don't really do movies on this. TV shows. Movies? I like that, Jackson. I'm in a a documentary mode right now. I think I talked about the World War II documentary, Greatest Battles in Color, Mm -hmm. uh, and I just finished that off. Major recommendation for that. And I just got into, just started today, actually, Pete, because I know you're a big fan of my Peloton. There it is over my, <laughs> over my left shoulder. Uh, Ken Burns, Civil War. Have any, has anybody watched that? Yeah, I had to watch it in class in high school. Fantastic. It's, I'm, I'm already learning shit and I'm not, I haven't even finished the first episode. I'm like 30 minutes left in the first episode. Gangster Pete, have you done any Ken Burnsing? I have watched the baseball one. I How was that? Uh, it's good. It's really good. Uh, I heard the Civil War was really good too, so I'd be interested in checking that out sometime. How fucked up is it that the last person alive who fought in the Civil War died in 1959? Jesus. Wow. Isn't that amazing? I mean, that's, I mean, Jack Kennedy is out campaigning to become the president while this man is still alive and he fought in the Civil War. Bill Clinton meets Jack Kennedy 
and Bill Clinton's wife runs against Donald Trump in 2016, and Donald Trump is the president as we speak at this particular moment. I mean, it just shows how 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 not very far away we are, perhaps literally and metaphorically. But I digress. I digress. I a major recommendation on that World War II battles uh, that's on Netflix and. Uh, and I couldn't find Civil War on Netflix. I had to subscribe to PBS in order to get it, which is fine. Yeah. I'm a Donnybrook guy. Um, you and my brother. Is that right? How old's your brother? Is he 78? <laughs> He's 32. Is that right? Have you watched that? There's nothing that Have you watched that? my wife on more than when she walks into the room and I'm enjoying some Donnybrook. <laughs> but I'll tell you something. I was out at a, a bar in Kirkwood. This is a couple years ago. And Alvin Reed, who I've known for a while, comes up to me and goes, hey, we would love to have you on Donnybrook. I go, I got to be honest with you. I don't know if that's good for anybody involved. <laughs> I, don't think it's re- I really don't think it's good for me, and I really, really don't think it's good for you guys. But I'm, I'm, uh, maybe someday I'll make a cameo on the Donnybrook set. All right, boys, we got a bunch of stuff here. I kind of uh, got into this one a little bit on the radio show. Jackson, I don't think you engaged on this, but maybe you did, and I just forgot. Uh, uh, Pete, you obviously uh, did not, so we'll, we'll start with this one. But before I start with this one, we are wrapping up uh, 2020, and uh, suffice it to say, it is a year that we will never forget. Pete and I, we, you know what? We talked about that way back, what, 10 months ago now. Yeah. And But we, ne- we knew that it was going to be fucking crazy. We just didn't know the way that it was going to be fucking crazy. That's amazing to think about. Um the proverbial winter is coming and uh, winter has certainly come, but it's, it's, it's been in a different way than I think that we thought when we were talking about it way back when, but uh, as crazy as it's been, there are opportunities certainly from our advertisers who are very loyal to the show. And one of those is our studio sponsor, the home loan expert, Ryan Kelly. Uh, I refinanced with Ryan back in April and as great as it was then, I look at my interest rate now and know what the interest rates are doing at this moment. And I, you know, I could, I could refinance again and save a bunch of money. That's how good it is. So if you are looking to refi, go to the, the homeloanexpert.com. And also, uh, as crazy as things are, as cheap as money is, the sellers are in a great position right now. And so if you want to be in a great spot as a buyer, Get pre-approved. And that's what me and my wife did in November. Go to the homeloanexpert.com. Ryan Kelly, he is growing his business all over because he really does do it better than anybody else. It is a firsthand endorsement. The homeloanexpert.com. And as you wrap up the year, and I'm doing, uh, stuff, Pete, that you used to do. You handled our QuickBooks. I'm, uh, I'm now digging into that for, but don't, don't, don't you miss that? Yeah. I'm really upset. I'm missing that. <laughs> I've got, I don't even know. And it's not a ball so hard comment. It's just, I've got so many damn LLCs. I got to track, as you know, I, I've got to track them all. Um, and so I'm doing it these days though, man, I got it. This is not a live read for QuickBooks. It's actually a live read from Arcana. When we were doing it just a few years ago for the radio station, we had to manually enter everything. Now it syncs up with the bank accounts and the credit card accounts and it, it really couldn't be any simpler. You just have to categorize it proper, properly. So I actually, as a data nerd, like doing it. Um, <laughs> but certainly, it's not something that a lot of people like to do. You want to get organized at the end of the year. Make sure you're getting organized with a financial advisor, somebody that we know and that we trust. I don't know if he's going to allow me to say it. I would imagine he would. 
Um, but uh, somebody who is a regular on this uh, podcast, not anybody on it right now, recently met with uh, Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. And he texted me, and this is the way it works when people ask me about people who I do endorsements for. And I, I wouldn't endorse somebody if I didn't mean it. And it's, it's truly the truth. And said, what do you think of Mark? I said, hey, man, he really is a good guy. And for real, I recommend you meet with him. Um, and that has been the case for people who I'm friends with, people who I'm a brother of, in the case of my sister doing business with Ryan Kelly, people who I do business with. Um, I, anytime they text me and say, hey, what about this person? I'm, I'm like, man, I wouldn't endorse them if I didn't think highly of them. Get organized, especially at the end of the year with Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Evergreenstl.com or give him a call at 314-889-0503. He helps everyday people. Every day, you need somebody. You need somebody. Mark Hanna is that person, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. All right. Uh, this is uh, the one that I kind of got into a little bit because we were talking about the NHL and the return and the, the divisions. And I was a little surprised by this question. Um, I know where I stand on it, but we'll be able to elaborate now on the podcast. Um, and Pete, you probably are hearing it for the first time. Evening, Tim, with the news of the 2021 NHL division alignment. A question I've thought of often, again, comes to mind. As I'm sure you're aware, the Blues are essentially playing in the Pacific Division for this season. And while I understand why from the NHL standpoint, I also can't help but wonder what exactly St. Louis is geographically. Our NFL team played the NFC West. Our Blues are now very much a Western team. The Cardinals are very much a Central Division standard bear. SLU plays in the Atlantic 10. Mizzou plays in the very Southern SEC. And we have traditionally been otherwise very Midwestern. League divisions obviously do not define a region. But I do think this lack of geographical identity increasingly works against St. Louis in the bigger economic picture. Other cities are able to market an identity, whereas it seems increasingly St. Louis has no identity. Growing up, I always considered St. Louis very much Midwestern, with similar values to places such as Chicago, Minneapolis, or Milwaukee. We were friendly and traditional, but still progressive on lots of issues. Very much a bellwether state. It seems every year Missouri bleeds into the metro region, and we've become more southern in our values and politics, with Mizzou to the SEC as icing on the cake. Now to my question, what geographic region do you think St. Louis belongs in today, and to the extent it matters, does this identity or lack thereof affect more than just our sports team's divisions? Many cities are able to market an identity for economic benefit, and it seems increasingly St. Louis is a city without a home. Too southern to be a Midwest city, too northern to be a southern city, too far west to ever be east, and too flat and thousands of miles removed from the real west. Interested to hear your thoughts on whether any of this ultimately matters or whether you think it's just the way it's always been. Anyways, enough rambling. Keep up the great work. That comes from Tom Weesey. I think it's Weesey. It might be YC or Weese. I apologize if I'm butchering it. Gangster Pete, you uh, get the microphone first. I mean, I guess it's kind of the get in where you fit in type of deal. Uh, I guess there's more cities with higher population density on the coast. So uh, we got to just kind of get in where we can. I love that Mizzou's joined the SEC. I think that's awesome for the football aspect. And I think it's good for their basketball is good too. So I really like that, even though I wouldn't necessarily consider it as a southern state. I definitely don't consider it as a western state. Uh, I think it's going to suck when the Blues games all start late at night. They said they're going to start them at 5, though, Central Time. Because oh. and not all of them, but a good portion of them. 
Uh, or excuse me, five five Pacific time, seven St. Louis time. Okay, well that makes it better. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I do miss having like Chicago and Detroit in our division yeah. and Nashville too. Uh, I I just it, it's not something that's ever really bothered me. This moving out to the West Coast and hockey is the first time I really noticed. Like I don't really get that, but. I'm cool with the SEC and Mizzou. And, Do you think uh, it matters? I mean, he's asking. He, he, it bothers him because you think it positions us from an, an ambiguous point of view to the rest of the country economically, with no real geographic identity. Yeah, I don't. I don't think where your sports teams, what division they're in, makes that big a deal. It's more having them in the major leagues. No. So I think not having an NFL team is a bigger issue than us playing in the West in the NHL. Action Jackson. Um. <clears throat> From what that person sent in, they kind of compared us to Chicago, which I have never gotten. I don't ever consider St. Louis anywhere like Chicago. Uh, Chicago is like the third biggest city in America, and uh, just a, it's like a place you go visit. I kind of compare St. Louis more to like Cleveland and Pittsburgh, uh, hmm. Detroit maybe, just like, you know, cities with downtowns, but the suburbs are more densely populated have a couple sports teams, uh, but industry is the biggest part, you know, the, what makes the city go. So I don't think a geographic identity is like something that we should search for. I mean, we, St. Louis has a great history. Um, I think people around the country understand what St. Louis is like. I think they get bad information based on the murder rates because of the city and county not being together. But other than that, I don't think anything holds us back in St. Louis besides ourself, really. I don't think any outside forces of geographical identity define us nor help or hurt us. I like the question. It made me think. I just My initial reaction is, is the same one even after I've thought through it and even after we discussed it just a little bit on the radio show, and that is I, I think that the, the, the geographic ambiguity, ambiguity of the, the various teams is really merely a fun fact and a coincidence. I think it, I mean, a zero, zero as far as its impact on the city, just a zero. Uh, and as Pete, you said, I'm thrilled Missouri's in the SEC from a football standpoint. Absolutely thrilled. I mean, it's, it's, it's made it a kind of a major league event now. Um, the West thing for the Blues this year is a one, one off for COVID. The Cardinals in the Central is where I consider, um, St. Louis to be. And that's a Midwestern city. Um, and, and so I, I just, for the question from my standpoint, I respect it. It's certainly well, well stated and well thought out. I just don't think it's an issue. I, I, I know this. I'll use Nashville as an example. Uh, growing up, Nashville, I think, and this is something uh, Mark Montavani, when when he was on the podcast, I think we used to in St. Louis, I don't want to say look down on Nashville, but we thought we were bigger than Nashville. Uh, certainly for me, growing up in the 1980s, and we would drive through Nashville on some family vacations. It's like, oh, what's Nashville? They don't really have any professional sports teams, and uh, what do they have now? They have the NHL and they have the NFL, and I think they'll probably have baseball soon. So, uh, and it's a growing city, but at the time growing up, we viewed it as a Southern city, probably because of country music, because that's what it was known for. Now it's this thriving city. So I just don't, I don't view the geographic locations of the divisions or anything like that significantly. I would agree 
with this, but I think it has nothing to do with the divisions. In my opinion, over the last 20 years, I see Missouri and specifically St. Louis, but to a lesser extent than the state as a whole, identifying more with the culture of the SEC than with any other conference. I don't think that was the case in the 80s and the 90s. I don't know what happened. I don't have an explanation. Perhaps people actually would know or be able to theorize that. But I think we have um, more in common with the SEC than we did in the 1990s. And I don't know really what happened. Um, but at the same time, it doesn't change like how I go about living my life. I'm not you know, necessarily in, in lockstep with some of the uh, more commonly held SEC cultural things, but I love SEC football. I was actually looking at buying season tickets today to Missouri football. How about that, Gangster Pete? That is awesome. I think I really was. Because when I went up to Notre Dame in 2019, and this was for my dad's birthday with the whole family and all of our um, spouses, I'm just like, tailgating is just the best fucking thing to spend a day in, in either the late summer or early fall. And just hanging out and drinking with people and bullshitting and then going into a college football game, it really is the best, you know? So I'm like, why wouldn't I do that? Maybe at that point my son will be four and maybe he'd want to go to one or two and, you know, can have some element of tradition. Yeah, once you have the tickets, it becomes like a tradition. It's something that you do, you know? It's not- do you and your dad have tickets? Is that the deal? No, my dad didn't have tickets, but when I lived up there, I had tickets forever. And then uh, now a bunch of my – I mean, I can go to any game I want pretty much. Yeah. Ooh. So, uh, it is, it's just so fun, man. And then if you, if you make it like a habit, not something like you're trying to decide at the last minute. Yeah. Like, and you know what I mean? Yeah. I and mean, I was looking at the home schedule next year. It was so weird for the, for the email that you got for season tickets. It didn't list the teams. And since a few of them are, you know, your standard randoms, I'm like, who the fuck are these people? Um, but I guess they play Central Michigan. Did you know that, Gangster Pete Jackson? Did you know that? I haven't, I haven't done a deep dive in the next season. Yeah. Well, I, I, I had to look up the logos. Um, Central Michigan, if I'm not mistaken. And you know who coaches Central Michigan right now? Trivia question. Ooh, I he heard this. Coach in the SEC championship game within the last four years. Uh, if I'm thinking of the right guy, now maybe you're going to correct me on this, but I'm pretty sure of this. Not the old ball coach. No. no. <laughs> what he's, doing. he's playing golf. <laughs> Coaching shirtless. <laughs> Let me type yeah. it in. Make sure. Trivia. Well, they also go to Boston College next year. That's kind of a random one. Yeah. Um, he is, yes, Jim McElwain. Yes. Florida. Yeah. He is yeah. the coach at Central Michigan. They also have North Texas. And yeah. this is a year where they have, um, I believe they have Florida. Yeah, they have Florida. In Tennessee, this is an at Georgia year, uh, coming up anyway. But it's, it's, you know, for me, often when I would go to Missouri games, like Missouri's good. They're playing for a championship. So I'll go like the Oklahoma game in 2010. You know, I was locked in on A&M in 2013 and Arkansas in 2014. But now it's just like, okay, if they're good, they're good. If they're not, they're not. It's not about that. It's about experiencing the atmosphere and the energy of a college football game. And then maybe you stumble into a game that actually really does have meaning. And, uh, and that's the best. Also, they, they have A&M at home, um, which, uh, I guess now that means we've completed the cycle because A&M was, uh, the first one in the cycle in 2013 with Johnny, uh, yeah, that Johnny brutal, Fall, that which first was the SEC, SEC schedule championship game. Uh, all right. This one, 
um, is, I guess, a serious one, and I guess this is specific to me. Uh, hey, Tim, this might be too personal of a question, so if you don't want to answer, I completely understand. So my wife is an IVF nurse and has been working at this company now for a couple of months. We are both in our late 20s and haven't tried for kids yet. Since she started this job, I have found myself very intrigued in her day-to-day work and thoroughly enjoy hearing her stories about the people who've had successful IUI and IVF treatments. Also, it is extremely sad when I hear the stories of people who are unsuccessful. I've heard you mention a few times on QFTA and TMA that you and your wife had difficulty getting pregnant through these treatments. Given that I know a lot more about this process than I did a few months ago, I was curious if you'd be willing to share more about the process and what all it took before you and your wife were pregnant with Jameson. I completely realize this can be very personal, so I understand if you do not want to answer. Thanks. That comes from Sam Hazeltine. Yeah, um, it uh, it is it is it's a much bigger process than just going in and doing it. And honestly, we did it so much IUI and IVF. We did IVF twice, uh, but all of it unsuccessful. Jameson um, was not IVF or IUI natural. And the thing that stands out to me about um, Jameson and getting pregnant with Jameson is we were about to uh, do IVF one final time because, I mean, it's so expensive. Um, It's so expensive. Uh, We were going to do it one final time in January of 17. And Anna Marie was told by her doctor that she needs to, I guess, to regulate her cycle, go back on the pill. And had she done it, she would have been on the pill when when Jameson was conceived. So, I mean, you just you think about these moments and just how significant minor things become. Um, but we were unsuccessful. She got pregnant with IVF in June or July of 2014. I recall I was playing golf with Jim Edmonds in, I think, Albert Pujols golf tournament, actually. And I was in, I just remember it because I was in the cart with him when I found out that she was pregnant and, you know, Jim being Jim, you know, Mr. Emotion, he goes, I can't wait to teach that kid to say all the dumb shit you've taught my kids to say. Well, he's very <laughs> emotional. So I'll always remember that. Um, but unfortunately, you know, like four or five days later, uh, she had a miscarriage, you know, it wasn't like deep into the pregnancy, but uh, she had a miscarriage. And then the second, and the way we approached it, which was devastating, And that's the thing that I'll say to people about this, because I'm sure there are people and it's probably, you know, maybe 10 or 20 of the people listening who are even familiar with this process and debating how to handle it. The thing that I would say about it is you, you, you quantify the emo, the, the, the financial cost, but it's difficult to quantify the emotional. And that, I mean, Anna Marie, holy shit, you know, I mean, that was, that was, I wasn't prepared for that. And you weren't even thinking, actually, I wasn't even thinking about the cost and how that's just money at this point that, you know, is gone. Uh, she was so devastated. And you have a choice. How do you handle that? And our choice was to let's get right back after it. And we did again in December. So it was August, actually. Now, for whatever reason, it clicks with me that it was August of 14. In December of 14, did it again, which is a very quick turnaround. And this time it was a complete failure. Um, didn't Didn't even get pregnant, um, much less a miscarriage. And that was even tougher 
that was even tougher. Again, not because of the money, but because now in her mind, she's thinking she's not going to be able to be a mother. And I just remember we just headed down immediately, just got out of town like the day after Christmas, actually. So I'm like, I gotta, I gotta be there for my wife. I've gotta help her. I've gotta take care of her. I just, and so we went to Sanibel where we got married and just were like, okay, for 2015, we're just going to fuck off. We're not even going to think about this. We're just going to enjoy ourselves. I was operating 920 at the time. Fortunately, you know, we were a year and a half in. It was successful. It was profitable. Uh, and we were able to do our thing. And I spent a lot of time, man, in Las Vegas and traveling, just fucking off. And, you know, the, the, the risk of entrepreneurial ventures in 2013, which were certainly tough. Uh, we experienced some of the rewards in 2015 and we were able to do that. And we were told that we were probably going to have to either go a surrogate route or adopt. That's where we were. And so the fact that we got pregnant naturally and it happened truly. I mean, it, it sounds like it might be an exaggeration to tell a story, but it really is the truth. When we were about to do IVF one last time, you can only take so much. Um, I mean, I guess there are people who have just, you know, as much money as it takes and they're going to do whatever it takes. But at some point, especially when we were told by the doctor that at this point you probably need to pull the plug to get pregnant naturally was incredible. And then she thought, uh, she lost Jameson on a Saturday morning. I remember coming downstairs and this is after we told her parents and my parents and nobody else. Um, probably a week after that it was early January and she was bawling her eyes out, thought she had had a miscarriage. Um, and you know, calls her, uh, doctor. I call my personal, uh, physician who's not, you know, gynecologist and, um, and he's like, yeah, it happens. I'm so sorry, uh, as, as did her doctor tell her the same thing. And, and I remember my doctor, who was a listener, uh, saying, you know, one thing I would tell you, and I'm not trying to give you hope or anything like that, un, you know, un, unnecessarily, but, um, you know, you don't know yet. And there's a chance that, you know, she just has blood clots. And so, you know, I would tell you that a, a friend of mine in medical school thought they lost their baby. And now that, uh, that baby is 26 or seven years old and in his me medical residency. And I just remember thinking that the day we went to the hospital, probably Monday, and all Anna Marie was thinking is I don't want to have to get this, um, DNC, I think is the process. And I apologize for not knowing it first because I'm sure some of you listening know exactly what that is, which is, a brutal physical process where they have to clean out the uterus. I mean, you know, I mean, there's no other way to say it. It's, 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 you know, God almighty. Um, and I just remember, um, the, the, you know, going in there for that and, uh, the, the nurse saying there's the heartbeat and, oh, I mean, what a, I mean, what a moment. I mean, there's, I don't know if, I don't know if there's a more powerful moment than going from thinking you lost your baby to your baby being alive. Oh, I mean, it's still, it's been, you know, oh God, I don't know, almost four years, I guess, at this point. And just the gratitude for that, especially considering we didn't think we could have a child. And, oh, I mean, that's a moment. I, I remember I, I had the, I don't know if it's presence of mind or just being stupid that I took out my phone to take a picture. And there's this picture of Anna Marie just like with a look of just 
stunned, but so happy, but it, it didn't leave her face. And to think that that was, you know, my son, um, who is everything now, uh, Pretty cool. it's, it's as, uh, it's as, it's as powerful as it gets. So, you know, I've had a few people, uh, who've contacted me because I've told the story. And, uh, we had somebody this morning on the radio show text in that, that they had a miscarriage through IVF because of, uh, COVID, which I didn't even think, you know, I mean, certainly, of course, it's possible, but God, people going through IVF right now, and then you incre- increase the risk with that. Um, you know, I don't know. We, we would certainly have another child if it happens. But, you know, also we just kind of realize from a mathematical standpoint, we like got a one outer, you know, uh, to use a poker term. I mean, we, we were told we were in the one to 2% chance. So we have that. And I'm just grateful for that. You know, I mean, and if, if another one comes then great, but um, you know, to the people who have experienced it, it's brutal. It's something you don't even think about if you haven't experienced it. Um, because you don't know it's, it's anytime I talk about kids and you guys are sitting there and I always kind of feel like I'm like, Oh, I know what it was like when people would talk about kids and I was in the midst of, you know, either playing poker or fucking off and doing whatever. I just didn't want to hear it. So I know the people who listen to this, who don't have kids are just kind of like, Oh, skip forward through this shit. I love kids. <laughs> but to the people who are going through this and it's, and it's one of those things, I guess it's more common to talk. I'll tell you this miscarriages it's almost, I think it's more rare to not have a significant other spouse with a miscarriage than it is to have one now. It's just people don't talk about it, but I think people are more comfortable talking about it. The IVF thing, uh, that is just, like I said, you're like, okay, it costs this much, holy shit. But then when it doesn't work, you're not like, well, fuck, I'm out this amount of money. You see your wife devastated and that's the cost. That's much greater than the actual financial. So um, I, I tell this story because I was told anytime people, because people just do it kind of as a conversation, oh, you guys going to have any kids? And it's like, well, you know, we were told we might not be able to, so that's a buzzkill in a conversation. <laughs> so, you know, you just say, oh, well, we're trying. Um, and then, you know, when people would kind of, you know, I'd go into more detail on it with people I would know better, and then they would tell me these things. Well, I know a couple that, you know, they just stopped thinking about it, and then they got pregnant. I'm like, oh, God, I'm so tired of that story because it's just bullshit. Yeah. But the reason I decided to talk about it with permission from my wife, because it's not my story, it's our story, uh, is because now everybody, you know, who's familiar with us anyway, familiar with me, knows that it can actually happen uh, and you can put a face and a family to it. So especially, I mean, a lot of you listening are in your 20s and 30s and you have all the time in the world. Do not give up the ship. And all I can say is now as a parent and, uh, you know, a couple that went through that nearly seven years ago, six plus years ago, that it, uh, it absolutely is worth it. And um, it made us have a greater appreciation for, because when I think about that, I'm like, holy shit, you know, I mean, that's, that was our son who I, who we thought we had lost in January of 2017. And now he's, you know, he's here and, um, you know, and I, 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 I live for him. So hopefully those of you going through that right now, you will experience it um, as well. Um, let's see. Looks, see what looks like got. Yep. What's that? Go ahead. Go ahead. He looks like such a little gentleman in his new pictures. <laughs> the, like, he, he looks more mature than me. <laughs> he is, Anna Marie and the shit she dresses him in. Uh, he really, that's the RBC Heritage jacket. I mean, that's, that, like, that's what they get, I mean, not that, that it actually is, but that's what it looks like. And I'm just like he, but he is such a. 
you know, I, I hardly am ever on the phone, as you guys know, now that you're, Pete, you certainly know it, and Jackson, you're becoming familiar with the, the dynamic, um, that, uh, that, um, you know, we just rarely talk on the phone about the show or the business or anything like that. I'm certainly a texter most of the time. But Doug and I were on the phone and we were getting off the phone. And he goes, what, Jody? Jody's his wife. I mean, we never talk about Jody on the show. <laughs> but, you know, Jody is Doug's wife. I met her 20 years ago and I started working at KMOV. The nicest woman in the world. What's that, Pete? You don't want to ruin it for the audience. Yeah, I know. Great. But, I mean, just for Available. the record, Jody's his wife and he has three kids and they're all great. And so Jody, Doug's wife, I'm on the phone with Doug and we're, we're wrapping up our call and he goes, what, Jody? And she goes, oh, um, the, one of their neighbors is the, like, I don't know, the, know how, what you would describe it. I'll call it principal of Jameson's uh, school, although I'm certain that's not what you would call it at a preschool. And she goes, oh, Jody says, uh, so-and-so says your son's really cute. And I said, well, that's that's a nice sentiment. And I'm sure Doug's like, why in the hell am I relaying this? <laughs> and I go, well, I, I got to be honest. With you, he's a shit disturber. I mean, he is a shit disturber. He goes, yeah, I, yeah well, I don't know. That kind of comes with the territory. And I, yeah, I mean, it, it, but he is. I mean, he is, he is, I, I guess parents say that stuff, but I mean, he legit, he, if he could, I've, I've known a couple people in my life who don't need to sleep. You guys know anybody like that? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah, a couple. yeah. It's nuts. And I think he might be one of those people. The only time he's not happy. So, I mean, like my bastardness of, of my own personality, uh, hopefully it's skipping at least him, him. Uh, cause he is constantly happy, but he always is going, he's always going. And he just doesn't stop. The only time he gets upset is when you, when he's like, I, he has to go to bed or he has to stop playing because he could, he could go until at least midnight and just never sleep. He never naps. He never has napped. It's fucking nuts. I love it. But Anna Marie, you know, it's like, Oh, let's have another one. I'm like, what if we have another one of these? I mean, we are, we are already outnumbered and we're in a two on one defense. If you had two of these things. Oh, we have another one of these. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this guy, so he's dangerous because he doesn't look like me, um, which is so advantageous. <laughs> you know, he's got the, the, the blonde hair. It looks like he's not going to be short, which, uh, you know, you don't know until, you know, 13, 14, 15. But, uh, but, you know, if he, if he's decent looking and an, and a complete batshit, you know, shit disturber, you know, we're going to have our, we're going to have our hands full here. I enjoy the hell out of it, but I mean, he's, you know, he's dropping F-bombs. I don't know where he hears that. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's something else. He's a dad who, who's on your team, you know, while watching football games and DraftKings. I mean, he's already been introduced to, and then being up, you know, going on the golf course with me with the gambling and the drinking and the whatever else is going on. He's, uh, he's experiencing it at a very young age. Um, all right. What do we got here? Um, this is interesting here. This is, this is a first for questions from the audience. Um, but before I go to it, because we're getting better at teasing, I would like to tell the audience about the special at Munganest. Please make sure you support the sponsors. It's the name of the game, especially when the sponsors have a deal specific to our radio show and to our podcasts. For the month of December through January 4th, you can get the TMA special slash Tim McKernan show special at St. Louis Acura and also one at Alton Toyota. It's among us, the official car dealership of the Tim McKernan show. The deal is for $349 a month, no money down. You get a 2020 Acura MDX. 
That's a 36-month lease. F at St. Louis Acura on Manchester. And then at Alton Toyota, a new 2021 Tacoma pickup TRD Sport 4x4 for the same deal. No money down. 36 months, $349 per month. Ask for the Tim McKernan Show special by name. That's zero down. It's stlouisacura.com or altontoyota.com. Does not include tax, title, license. The great Jamie Burkhardt and Clayton Patterson at altontoyota.com and stlouisacura.com. And Jim Rogers of Restoration One. This is big here because now they are adding to their services. Uh, they took care of me when we had water uh, in our basement during a uh, flood in uh, 2019, I guess. But now they're also doing COVID disinfecting of businesses, schools, and organizations of all sizes. It's Restoration One of Central St. Louis. They've disinfected hundreds of popular businesses, both locally and throughout Missouri and Illinois. It's Restoration One of CentralStLouis.com. Restoration the number one of CentralStLouis.com. Jim Rogers, 314-888-5266. That's 314-888-5266. If you have water damage, you need water damage assessment, dry out your home, moisture assessment using thermal imaging, sewer backup cleanup, mold remediation, fire and smoke damage, and COVID disinfecting of businesses, schools, and organizations of all sizes. COVID disinfection. It's Restoration One of Central St. Louis, 314-888-5266, or go online at Restoration One of Central St. Louis. Dot com. Hey, Tim and Smoke, I am not a wordsmith by any means, but here it goes. I am just getting out of a relationship of seven years. I've been trying a few dating sites and really haven't gotten any hits except for one. I found one girl on Facebook dating, and we have matched and have been chatting for the last few weeks. Oddly enough, I just am completely fascinated by her. Like, I can't even explain this. I've never felt this before with someone I've just met. Like, I can't get her out of my head, and we haven't even met in person. I've been on a few other dates, and it wasn't like this. Anyway, what do you think it is? Maybe it's the girl. Anyway, I love the show. Thanks, that comes from Anonymous. I don't want to mock the question, but it's, it's strange, right? I mean, that's just kind of, that's, 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 that's what we have going on here. Love, for seven years, and now you have a new... Uh, woman, and that's, uh, that's, that's just kind of the nature of the beast. You know, I mean, I assure you. And Jackson, you're, you're, you know, you're half my age. Um, and so this, this is one of these things that you just kind of learn with time. Um, you know, it's the proverbial, and it sounds harsh, but I say this to Anna Marie too. So, I mean, fuck, you show me the hottest woman in the world and I'll show you the guy who's tired of fucking her. It's just the way that it is. I wish it weren't the way that it was. It's just the way that it is. And it, and I realize it's not really a, a Christmassy sentiment <laughs> for, our, for our holiday QFTA, but it's just reality. Now, poor Anna Marie, she's just got this as it is. That's a bad beat. At least I actually have this really attractive woman. It's just, it's biochemical. I have no idea why it, why it is the way that it is, but it's the way that it is. So if this gentleman was in a relationship for seven years and now he's experiencing someone new, that's the magic of the biochemical process. It's also the unfortunate element that I think, and this is coming now from somebody who's married but has been divorced, is that you sit there and you go, well, hold on a second. Now we're just a few years into our marriage and we used to fuck like however many times a week. And now it's super rare and you go, well, something must be wrong, especially if you're like reading Cosmo or something like that. But it's just the way that it works. It's just the way that it works. 
you can love the person and appreciate the person and, you know, share your world with the person, but it's just the way that it works. You are not, there's no way you are having as much sex as you were 10 years into a marriage as you were in the first 10 months of your relationship. It's just the way that it is. You tell me that you are and you're fucking lying to me. That's what you're doing. You're fucking lying to me. And I don't want you to lie to me around Christmas. I want to talk about strange and I want to talk about my theme, which is you show me the hottest woman in the world and I will show you the gentleman who's tired of having sex with her. And as far as the women go, I can't speak to the whole thing because I understand it includes emotions and I am a sociopath. Gangster Pete, Action Jackson, what are your thoughts on the gentleman's email and my holiday sentiments? Yeah, it didn't, uh, didn't really sound like there was a question there. It sounded like he's just really happy. That <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. I mean, part of the part of it, I think it might be like Deeb's writing in as a new guy. That's what I think might be going on. It's a little, a little clean for Deeb's, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's got some new tail. He's happy. I'm happy for him. Keep it up, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if he would, if it would have been like a name or it would have been a post on the fan page, I'd be like, it's one of the standard humble brags. But it's just like a guy who's so fucking happy. He's getting laid after seven years of not <laughs> that he wants to share it with somebody and he decided to share it with us. Yeah. yeah, good for you. I hope you're enjoying it. I hope it's, I hope it's, it's wonderful. Here's the deal though. It won't last. I'm just telling you. There's, there's, there's this pro tip from experience. Action Jackson, do you have any thoughts on this? Because you haven't uh, been around long enough to experience this. This is not something that happens by the age of 22. It's just not the way that it works. No, I've never, you know, I've, I've had a relationship before. I don't think it lasted long enough for that to set in. Yeah. But, uh, as far as dating online goes, and I'm not saying about this guy who emailed it in, I'm sure that, uh, it's a, a healthy relationship that eventually will bud into something, but for everyone out there, Tread lightly when dating online. A lot of people know a lot of ways to pretend to be someone they're not. And what are we talking? You're talking about like catfishing then, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying that like Are you talking like extra parts or what? Jackson. It sounds like you're about to share a story with me and No, no, no. I've never experienced well, I mean like you you see them on dating sites, like the like you know what people look like who aren't who they say they are. It's like the stock photos, like six stock photos. Okay. And then if you ever, you know, text them, say, hey, here's my Snapchat, because that's how young people interact. They're like, oh, my Snapchat doesn't work. It'd be a bull- bullshit. Like, oh, everyone's, right. yeah, everyone's like, your camera works. You can take a selfie. If you can't, you're not real. What's I've been in a relationship every year you have been alive, Jackson. Uh, so, I mean, I am, I am out of this, the, the app thing. I always kind of like, I'm just curious because I'm living vicariously, not necessarily that I want to, but I'm just fascinated by the dynamic. And so like on what Tinder and Bumble and whatever the other standard ones are, is there a lot of like bullshit profiles? Yeah. Uh, Tinder and Bumble have actually done a really good thing where you can verify yourself. So like, say you have a picture in a certain pose, you take that picture again, like that day in that pose and they have some sort of algorithm that matches it up. And if it matches up, they verify you. So make sure like people know you're real. Oh, nice. But if you don't, and every picture is a selfie two inches from your face or a stock photo, then chances are you're not a female. Like that's not a female. So what it's like a dude posing as a woman. And what's, what's the angle? Yeah, I mean, just to like mess with people, like people have so much time on their hands. Like they have a ridiculous amount of time on their hands. They just love to fuck with people. Uh, they like to, you can, I mean, I've heard of like horror stories of people 
who have like sent them a picture of something they shouldn't. What, um, like a like a X pick? Like a rogue shrub and uh, rogue shrub and what's going down below. And then they're they're blackmailed. They're like, I'll post this on the internet wow. with your name and information on it if you don't send me five hundred dollars. I've heard horror stories like that. Thank God it hasn't happened to me. I'm more in I'm smarter on the internet, but I've heard of horror stories happen to people and that is like a shitty, shitty way to spend five hundred bucks. Holy shit. Gangster Pete, what do you got on this? Uh, what are we talking about? Like, have you had any, well, whether it be you or any of your peers on the, uh, dating, whether it be online apps, whatever. I know know some people that met up with some people that did not look like their pictures. Well, that's Iggy and the Culpepper story. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like, they're all their pictures are like from above. It's like a better angle. You just know. But, uh, I have... I mean, Deeds has a really good story about it. I'm sure he'll write in about it someday. <laughs> <laughs> and he probably went out to the car and beat off and went on about his night. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I tried to warn him ahead of time that we well, were like she was super hot and there's no way. No, it wasn't even that. It was just all her pictures were from a, a angle that would be the most flattering possible angle. And, there was and no- so then what happened when he got there? She was like, <laughs> yeah, I story to tell, but I mean, it- he was a mess. <laughs> <laughs> they like food stains on her clothes and like bad situation. Just tread lightly. That's all I'll say. Is tread lightly. God, holy shit! I gotta tell you, <laughs> you know, like I don't know. I mean, that's. I mean, isn't that, isn't that what you're talking about, Jackson? Though, like, is I mean, isn't that a felony? Didn't this? Didn't we have this? Did we have this discussion last week on revenge porn? Yeah, it's, 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 I guess it would be similar to revenge porn, but uh, there's probably some loophole. And I guess it depends what state you're in because every state's rules are different yeah. on consent. I of, we talked with Lisa Ann on the show recently and she said all 50 states now it's a felony on revenge porn. I don't, I, I, I don't know if it's classified as revenge porn. I've just heard horror okay. stories like that and I don't want any part of it. So yeah, I mean, just, I just, for the life of me, like, like what's the upside? Like if, if you're, I guess a, Gay male wanting a guy to send you cockpicks. If we're just going to like try to play out a hand, then you in exchange send some stock nudes of an attractive female. Yeah. Is that, I mean, that's like, otherwise it's like, you're just like fucking with somebody just like as a hobby. I mean, I just don't, I don't get what like the, the angle is. Fucking with people for a hobby is become a whole section of the internet. It's trolls. Like that's like what, like their like whole goal is to like, make people either as mad as possible or fuck with them to a point where they like either call the cops or do something insane. Like that, like people like get off on that shit. Wow. Well, I had to call the police. Pete, you, uh, yes. you yeah. Know? Holy shit. But I mean, you know, it was, it was more, it, it, unfortunately it wasn't, wasn't a cockpit. My cockpits aren't <laughs> out. I will be <laughs> releasing them though in February. No, it was, it, it's been just like a series of like batshit guys. I had a thing. Uh, Gangster Pete, you weren't able to make the TMA live this past week, uh, but Jackson and I were there, and there were a few listeners, and we were bullshitting, and uh, you know these guys, but I don't know if they went their names, and they were going, holy shit, we used to think when you would tell these stories, and I don't think I really talk about them on the radio, I think it's more for the podcast listeners, right. uh, the shit, but now we're familiar with, with, like, we're actually familiar with one of the people and then we're familiar with another thing that happened, and then somebody that has nothing to do with the fan page. 
Um, but this person like freaking out and telling it, and they're like, now, now we believe you. And I go, yeah, like, why would I ever make this up? It's a, it's really miserable. And I further, and I'll give, I'll give a homework assignment, a holiday homework assignment, since how I'm going to spend this time is by trying to not lose every single dollar for our DraftKings rosters, which I nearly did this past weekend in the NFL. I think we had a thousand dollars with the rosters and we came back with 15 bucks. So hmm. I'm committed to the task of this week. I barely did any research. Um, but what I was about to say is, um, with, with respect to, uh, the conversation I was having with these people, the, the, the TMA live, I said, Doug doesn't get this. Like he doesn't get the, like the, the, the weird shit I get, uh, <laughs> Iggy, Iggy, the people certainly are fascinated with Iggy. And I would say, if you're talking popularity on the show, Doug and Iggy are way more popular than me as far as likable, but I'm the one where like the, the people who aren't particularly stable <laughs> they latch on to and become obsessed with and i did for the life of me you would think that there'd be a correlation with like well i'm fucking i can't get enough of doug and so i'm good so i don't know why that happened and i really don't know why i had a conversation with a guy who's familiar to the audience but i don't know if he wants his name out there when we were playing golf one time and he goes yeah he goes that is weird that it does work that way that they get obsessed with you but you know nothing against you but like people certainly like Doug a hell of a lot more. And I go, absolutely. I get it. I got no problem with that. You know, like if you want to do it, do an analogy on the Stern show back in the day, Artie was way more popular than Howard, but you know, people would freak out on Howard. They didn't, they would always supporting Artie. So I don't know what the fuck it is. I know, I know what I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a 44 year old married dad. <laughs> It's just there's not a whole lot doing. I can, and I'm losing a lot of money on DraftKings. I, mean, I, I, that's I, it. I don't know what, what's so fucking interesting. Why are you so mad at me for real? I have no fucking idea, and I don't know why. Like, there's no reason to be mad at Doug either, or Iggy, or Pete, yeah. or Action Jackson, or you know the Plowhawk, or the Cat, or Matt Rocchio, or whoever else is associated with the show. But the obsessive ones, and I don't know what it is, and I don't know what the theory was is that because I make myself accessible and then people think that we're friends. And so like the, one of the story, the guy told the story, Hey, I saw Tim at the golf course and he said hi to this person, but he didn't say hi to me. And I'm like, I barely know this guy. And he was upset about it. And he actually, t- and I'm going, oh, fuck. I mean, it's, that's so like, what in the world? I, like, I mean, I just, I don't know. I really, I really want to deep dive on this actually. Cause I'm, I'm, that, I'm, that, that actually might be a good reason. Like they think they know you and then they see you. <laughs> you, don't <know laughs> yeah. you don't act like you're best friends with them. Yeah. I, but I don't know. And I'm really grateful they listen. And I pretend like, like it's like the threads on the fan page where like I'm actually interacting and answering questions. And then somebody will come along and talk about me like I'm not there. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm answering questions. You don't have to say, I wonder what Tim would say about this. I'm like, you can ask me because I'm right there. <laughs> I don't get, I really, I really want, and I, and I bet, and somebody will, because we have people who really get into it and I want it. I'm not from a mocking standpoint. I want to understand it. You know, I'm not asking for you to want to hate fuck Doug too. (laughs) You know, I'm glad Doug and Iggy aren't exposed to this, but I'm just curious what the fuck is it about me? You know, but like Rizzuto was on the podcast and he's kind of the point guy on that show. Were you in? No, you weren't in for that one, Pete. But yeah, I, well, you were in for that one. Same, same stuff for him. Where he told the story of the guy hiding behind the bushes when they were down mm-hmm. in the station, 
and wanting to like save him, like Christian save him, you know, that thing. Uh, I don't have that. I'd more like have, you know, people making up stories that I'm blackmailing them, you know, because I have, I don't even want to say it because I don't want to like trigger one of the people, you know, I mean, it's, and then, then the whole thing, then the conversation with the police is, well, you can have, you know, you can get a restraining order, but then they, we have to serve them with the restraining order and then it might cause them to act out. So you're yep. kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't stop. It's something else. I don't fucking Crazy. know. All this guy wanted to do was tell us he was getting laid and somehow he got into this. <laughs> All right. Uh, one more. Uh, Timmy recaps and Timmy recaps, uh, always are so wonderful. Uh, they're so thorough. They're so, so thought provoking. Um, and I don't believe I answered this last week. Tim, talking about anything of social importance nowadays seems to carry with it not only conceivable, but very likely reputational risks that will smear you with some sort of label that can get you smacked with an ism slash ist word and even excommunicated from certain social circles. Some of those labels are the very worst things you can be called in our society. A great number of the things you see blow up as controversy on social media is often the result of somebody having said something which, in context, might have been totally reasonable to discuss or question in good faith. And even if they aren't completely reasonable, should at least be something for which they can apologize and recognize the behavior that led to the controversy. But the way social media and our national rhetoric is shaped as of current, there is no mechanism for nuance, grace, or apology. All of this is technologically driven, social media, as I don't see people trying to actively cancel or smear others in real life when having heartfelt conversations that deal with race, religion, politics, or similar topics. Does this at all concern you as a media professional who puts out 15 hours of radio content, several hours of podcast content, and occasional social media posts per week? Is there a way to put this genie back in the bottle in terms of the ability to have provocative and often hard conversations without having to litter the conversation with insincere plaudits and pre-qualifiers that attempt to smooth over the fact that you're about to say something that might sound controversial. Any thoughts on this or the topic as a whole are appreciated. Thanks. That's from Tim. That was like a poem. It was so well-written. Timmy recaps. Um, he writes in uh, outstanding questions for, uh, for this podcast. And I, and I always enjoy um, his questions. I really do. And they're in their, and they're well reasoned and they, and they cause, cause to think. Um, Jackson, you're just now, uh, getting into this game. Pete, you had it for a couple of years. Um, action Jackson, I will start with, uh, you. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on this? Is it something that you're conscious of? I mean, and, and is this something that your peers are actively, you know, engaging in, as in, you know, going after people on social media? Not my peers in general. I would say people my age. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. like, that's their bailiwick is blowing up on people for probably something that they said in passing. To me, regardless of what stance you are, I prefer people to be honest than to play like a political game where they try to balance the, you know, toe the line. Like if you're a hardcore Republican, like I'm not, I'm a I'm on the complete opposite side. But if you are and you're honest about it, at least you're being honest about it. I don't have to agree with you, but at least I know you're not hiding behind some bullshit. Same way if you're left. If you're very left, be honest about it. And if, I mean, like, whenever, like, with social media these days, you could put anything out there in the world. You could put fucking, I mean, like, look at any news comment section. Like, it could be the most innocent story in human history. 
someone's going to shit on it. Or if you put out anything that you put some time into creatively, people will shit on it. That's just how it works for better or for worse. That's just how it works. So being honest and expressing how you feel outside of like, like if you're like being racist and you say something really racist, then I, I don't think that applies. But if you're honest about your political views, your views on society, um, then yeah, at least it's better than like lying just to avoid controversy. Gangster Pete, what do you think? I hate cancel culture and I equally as much hate virtue signaling. And I just, I just don't participate in either one of them. So I think there'll be a there'll eventually be some pushback where things get more back to normal. Uh, it just, it makes me sick when I see it. And I just, I just try to keep it out of my life. We had a text today on the on the text inbox, and it was a little uh, detailed, so I didn't read it, um, talking about the virtue signaling on the fan page. And as you were answering that question, it made me remember, I believe you have vacated the fan page. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got out of there as quick as I could. <laughs> you, you walked out of KFNS on your last day. <laughs> Leave group. Yeah. Handed me all the t-shirts. I thanked people for their nice words, and then I quietly exited. <laughs> I, I I should have wrote something like that. Yeah, you gotta have a big exit. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I mean, I I can enjoy the show without getting everybody's opinion. <laughs> right. Uh, I I love the question. I feel like it's something. I feel like with with Timmy Recaps, actually, he's written in something somewhat similar. And I'm I'm not saying that to chastise the question. It's just. It, I feel like we've discussed this, and certainly uh, Timmy Recaps is somebody who uh, has has been active in these kinds of discussions over, you know, the last year or two. I think anyway, when we talk about, you know, the inability to have conversation and or on social media how somebody's intent is uh, misconstrued, I take it even beyond that and take it to uh, emails or even texts. For as much as I hate getting on the phone, um, if I'm going to have a, a serious conversation with somebody, um, and I think both of you guys can can speak to that, I either want to do it in person, and if that's not possible, then we'll do it over the phone, because I never want context to be lost. And so, email, while it's easier, it can it can lead to something. That, for example, a, a negotiation. Um, where you think it's moving in the right direction and somebody takes a statement as being, you know, fighting words, even though they weren't. And now we're, we're off track. And so it's worth it to me to pick up the phone or say, Hey, let's make sure that we can meet or do, you know, in 2020, do a zoom. So that's with people I know, yeah. much less people I don't know. I mean, at this point, I just, I, I hardly ever tweet. I wonder if I've even tweeted a hundred times in 20. 2020. And if I did, it might've been like a stream of like tweet vomit, like on a night or two, but otherwise, like did I tweet a hundred days in 2020? hundred percent sure I didn't. And I don't, I don't miss it at all. I also wonder, you know, if, um, you know, if, if the way that the world works, if that's something that I can continue, I, I, I don't know. I, I really do. I know how many times I've said this on this podcast where I go back and forth on it. Um, and just kind of potentially just accept it's like, okay, you're going to have the problem is to me anyway, the problem is we're not, we're not playing on the same field. And by that, I mean, one field is me and you know who I am. Uh, if you're participating, um, in a discussion on Twitter, uh, and Instagram for that matter. 
and on the fan page, I know that there's some burners, but I don't know who you are and therefore you can use a burner. And so we're not really having a discussion. You, you know, use one of your burners and then you, you know, just cause shit. And so I'm like, what am I getting out of this? You know, I can quote unquote build my brand, but the discussions aren't on a level playing field, which is why the fan page is the way that it is. And for those of you not familiar with it, it's the radio show's fan page. And for the most part, I mean, I think, I don't know, 90% plus the people on there are real and using their real names for the most part, um, which helps preclude uh, a lot of the bullshit that you'll find on Twitter with people using burner accounts, which is, you know, which is just kind of standard at this point. Um, I think one of the greatest uh, obstacles to progress, which would therefore, of course, be anti the definition of progressive, is when people are in fear of speaking their mind honestly for a fear of repercussion. And I think that's where we are. I was observing, um, I think it was at his season-ending uh, real time with Bill Maher. And I thought he was going to mock it, but he actually said something that could be considered controversial. Certainly, you would, you would have a tough time winning um, a Democratic primary saying what he said. And it was something along the lines of, uh, do I understand how somebody can see, um, you know, uh, an embryo or a fetus and say that's a baby? Yeah, I do understand that, you know, and it's kind of like, oh, that's, you know, even though it's a pretty, I think, basic point of view, and I'm not saying basic, like she's a basic bitch. I'm saying it's, it's a, I think, something that somebody can kind of go, yeah, I, I get it, even though I don't necessarily share a pro-life viewpoint. It's like, yeah, that's, you know, at the very outset of this Civil War uh, documentary that I just started watching at the outset of our, our podcast today, they asked two people, I can tell that Ken Burns asked two people, uh, what caused the Civil War? Um, and one historian, um, a black female, says, uh, at the outset of our country, the fact that slavery was allowed really was the... Um, the incubator for what wound up happening, you know, nearly a hundred years later. Um, that was one perspective. The other perspective, which was kind of horrifying, especially considering the civil war documentary, I think is it's relatively speaking old. It's not, it wasn't made in the last couple of years is my point. Uh, and the gentleman who's a, a Southerner, but a Southern author, Southern historian, a, a white Southern historian says, what led to the civil war was the inability to compromise. And I'm like, Oh shit, <laughs> because I, I look at what's going on right now. And I say, that's exactly it. And I'm on the outside looking in Jack Danforth, a frequent guest of this podcast and somebody I, you know, developed a relationship with as we've talked about. Um, that's the thing that he often says, he goes, there's no compromise now. And if you do compromise, then you're voted out and it's used against you at the next primary. And I, and I sit there and go, oh, shit, you know, here's this Southern historian talking about why he thinks the Civil War happened. I'm going, oh my God, because I really, Pete, we used to talk about this like a year and a half ago, I feel like. And it was kind of like just used like, you know, like flippantly, like the term Civil War. And now I'm right. like, fuck, it's actually being talked about like as a, you know, Rush Limbaugh, not that he, not that he was saying there will be or there should be, but it's like kind of more mainstream discussion now. And I do at the root feel like it's a lack of compromise. 
Um, you know, I thought this is a very small thing. I don't even know if you guys are familiar with it, but after he was vaccinated, Joe Biden said uh, he gave credit to the Trump administration for getting the vaccine out. He might right. really believe that. He might not really believe it. I don't know. But strategically, I loved it. I loved it. I loved it, you know. And, and he's been saying a lot, too, that we need, we need to come to. He's been, he's been, every time he speaks, it seems like he's been trying to bring people together. Like yeah, that's I mean, one. That, and something that's so, so again, I'll use the term basic. I suppose we could say not substantial because I, I know basic has taken on a different connotation lately. Um, was so commonplace. Shit, I don't even know when it would be, but 15 years ago? I don't, I don't know when it started. I really don't. I don't know. I, I kind of think it was the Clinton presidency. But that's also at the time of the advent of Fox News. Um, and it's Michelle like, Obama oh, well, if you're going to say Bush. that, then, then you also have to include MSNBC. And I don't. I don't view it that way. I don't view them as being equals. I think that this, that, I think that, I think the Clinton presidency and the bullshit that went on with him in the White House um, and Monica Lewinsky, um, all while you have Newt Gingrich and, and, and what he was doing uh, in the House, and Fox News, I feel like that was the perfect storm. I don't feel like that is what has led to 2020, but I feel like that was the birth of it. Because I don't think that was going on during George H.W. Bush's presidency. That's my opinion on it. Um, but something as logical as, uh, you know, paying paying homage to the previous administration, th- that was like, wow, holy shit, you know? Now, you know, Kelly McEnany calling it the Trump vaccine, you know, that's that's your standard, you know, okay, whatever, what there's, you know, 29 more days of this thing. (laughs) But Joe Biden paying, you know, giving credit to the administration, whether he thinks it or he doesn't, is good. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. And I like to see that, which then goes back to Timmy Recap's question. And, you know, I think right now what you have are are people, you know, equating politics now to religion, take your pick of whenever you'd want to use it, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 100 years ago, whatever it is, that if you are on the other side, you are bad, and the other side is bad, and then therefore we will justify whatever we need to do politically because we are good and they are bad. And by the way, that is not limited to the party that equates itself with the party of God. It, it, it equates it also with those who stand on the opposite side of the so-called party of God. It is truly working both ways. That is why, Pete, if you remember on QFTA, the weekend after Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, I was, I was, I was depressed. Yeah. Uh, I really was because I'm like, this is going to open up retribution. It's not, it's not necessarily about the Supreme Court. It's about what it's going to open up as far as retribution goes and then what that could lead to. That's how I viewed it. It wasn't like, oh, my God. But I really was. I legitimately was. And call me a mark if you want. I was stunned. I really was that they were going to go totally against what they did with Merrick Garland and then just fucking shove it through, you know, what, 35 days after the election. I was was stunned. And I'm sure plenty of people are like, wow, you are naive as hell to be stunned. You have Lindsey Graham with use my words against me four years later. And I'm like, okay. And I was stunned. But that's what you can't have. And so if you have the people at the top working to set a culture of, you know, 
like Joe Biden doesn't need it. Kind of going back to why we were on board with Mark Montavani. You may have liked his politics, you may not have, but he wasn't aspiring to a greater office, so he didn't need it. He certainly didn't need the money, and he didn't need the office. Joe Biden is not going to be president in five years. I just don't, I don't, I mean, if he is, he is, but holy shit, if I could bet against it, I bet against it all day long. So he doesn't need to do it. He doesn't need to play the game. And so if he's doing what he thinks is in the best interest of the culture and the dialogue of the country, and he's going to kiss Donald Trump's ring on the vaccine, even if internally he's like, oh my God, you know, then good. I think that's a good thing. And then I think then there is a trickle-down effect to the dialogue, and it actually becomes in vogue in some places, certainly more than you have right now, to not demonize people who may have a different viewpoint. And I think that's so critical. I do not dismiss people who run for office as being greedy and just like all the rest of them. I think that's the laziest fucking give me a like on social media point of view you can have. Because I know some of these people and they are good people. Not all of them. Some of them from the <laughs> get-go I thought were problems and eventually were, were proven to be uh, not the obvious ones. Um, but some of them are some of the most outstanding people I know. And they don't go there and then oftentimes come from some wealth. So they're not going there for anything other than they really want to help. And uh, and so therefore, I don't say, oh, they're all the same, you know, or because, you know, one jack off mayor said you can't eat in town and then they're out having dinner. Well, now we're just going to dispute and shit on everybody who says, you know, here's a policy because this one asshole did it. I just, you know, for lack of a better term, I find that to be lazy and convenient. And again, give me my likes on social media. So with, with regards to the question that he asked, is there a way to put this genie back in the bottle? Yeah, I think so. The genie isn't going back in the bottle, but what is in vogue right now of looking for, as I think it was Barack Obama actually who said, social media scalps, um, it, it will eventually, it will not be in style. And actually the people who do it will be looked down upon, whereas perhaps at this moment it is actually a praised thing. You also just have flat out bots. I mean, there, there's, there, there's that element that we also have to, it's like, oh, I'm arguing with, you know, somebody who's a dog avatar with American flags all over their biography, but yeah. it's really, you know, a creation in a lab in, in Moscow or something. So mm -hmm. um, I do, I do, I do. I think, I think it will improve. And I, and I do, I loved the fact as weird as it might've seemed, because it just is so out of character for the way the world has operated for however many years for Joe Biden to give credit to the Trump administration for the vaccine. I thought that was wonderful. I think it's healthy as hell, and I was happy to see it. And I think that sets a tone. It's not going to fix it, but I think it sets a tone. All right, gentlemen, that's going to wrap it up for the holiday edition. Question, uh, for, you. question for you. What's up? I got a question for you. Oh, wow. Gangster Pete. Uh, Auburn, they're going to hire Brian Harson from Boise State. What do you think? Uh, was that the guy that Missouri fans were kind of gathering around this time last year? Uh, he's one of them. Yeah. I, my honest answer is I, I have no idea, but it tells you a lot about the, the state of the Auburn job and the circles of college football that they had to go that low. That's what my reaction is. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not all that impressed with Harson. Well, that's what I'm saying, that they yeah. had to go that route. I mean, no. that, I mean I, I, Gus Malzahn was in a spot where I think he was – two and three in his first five meetings against Alabama, obviously played for the national championship in his first year, won the SEC. And I felt like every year he was, he was having to prove himself down there. Yeah. You're in, and you're in a division with Alabama and LSU and now Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M. Um, 
I mean, holy shit. And he's always fighting for his life and you're, you're at Auburn. I mean, I think there are people, I, I'm wondering, Pete, I guess to, to equate it to Drinkwitz. And I know that some of the shine is off, maybe not for you, but for some after the, the Georgia and especially Mississippi State games. Um, but, you know, my fear on Drinkwitz has been, I don't, I don't think he's Gary Pinkle, not in the sense from a coaching standpoint, he might be, you know, two times the coach Gary Pinkle, but I just don't think he's going to be around long. But maybe, and I think this is something that you've talked about, that college coaches now see how quickly you can get whacked. And so guys aren't as apt to jump from one place to another as they were 5, 10, 15 years ago. And so maybe if he is successful in Columbia, he could be in Columbia for a while. Yeah, I mean, the grass isn't always greener. And at the same time, even if he leaves and he's successful here, I mean, that's the leaves us in a better spot than we were. And that's my position on it as well. That's yeah. my position on Although, it. Although, I, I did – I saw him getting a Twitter spat with some writer last night. I saw that too. No, why are you doing this? What was he doing? I, I know this is interesting to me. I have to be honest. Some, I know we were going to wrap it up, but what the hell happened? Was he mad some about guy, Yeah, some guy was talking trash about uh, Finley playing quarterback for uh, the Bengals. Yeah. Uh, a random comment, and yeah. then Drink went to his defense, and then I don't know. It was just it just seemed like something he I would rather him not be getting involved with. Yeah. Uh, wow. I mean, does he know Finley? Uh, I don't know. I just looked. Finley went to Finley's NC State. from Boise State, right? NC State, I thought. I thought it was Boise State. I thought it was weird, too. I was like, is that drink? It's like when the Pope liked that girl on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Where the hell did this come from? Yeah. See, that's the great thing about being a pervert. I can't surprise anybody. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I see that you're following, you know, Ella Reese. And I'm like, you're damn right I am. <laughs> Phenomenal. You really ought to follow her too, you know. It's like you don't have to. You don't have to put up the image, you know. Yeah, I'm a pervert. Are, are you alarmed? I'm I'm talking threesomes and foursomes and, and still on the lookout for them too. So was this a, was this a Missouri writer that he was already? This no, it was a guy. It's a guy that hosts one of those gambling shows. On, it's either on Fox or ESPN. I don't remember. I just all I remember is thinking. I mean, it's not like he he said anything outrageous. He was just try, kind of trying to teach the kid a lesson and uh it was just lame. i i don't need my coach getting in twitter spats you know i don't want that from my president or my football coach yeah i'm i, I now i gotta go look at it. look for it because he's in uh, like a whole thread it's uh, bad news bears is it really this is yeah he's like how the fuck did we not talk did you send this a pete knows you can send links over it doesn't mean i see it did you send this, over? <laughs> this is something i would have loved and doug would have gotten because doug doug i think has a raised eyebrow about drinkwitz you know, yeah. I, I, I think he, I think he might like, you know, again, it's kind of like, well, I mean, the whole scheme of things, what, you know, now that you look back on it, where did they really have a huge win this year? But it was a weird year and they were a shell of themselves by the end of the season, but he's like down on the way he handles himself with the media. Yeah. And, and I'm, and I'm kind of a, I mean, look at how Nick Saban and Bill Belichick handled themselves. I realize they are who they are and they've done what they've done. But I'm not going to get – I can't get caught up in that. It's just not – it's, you know, I mean, Albert Pujols was difficult to deal with, but he's still the greatest Cardinal of my lifetime. Yeah, I'm not going to hold that shit against him. So, but, yeah, getting an argument on Twitter, it's just like the, – the way I view that is you just have to have the restraint. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, well, I'm not going to engage, you know. 
I'm just not going to engage. Yeah. But maybe there's more to it. Maybe he has a tie to Finley. I thought Finley played it. I thought when I was watching that dog shit game that they were bringing up him at Boise State, I know he was $4,300 on DraftKings. That's what I know about him. I haven't seen anybody $4,300 in DraftKings at quarterback ever. I'm almost positive he's NC State. So All right. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if he had, I don't know if he had some connection to him or not. All Maybe. right. Uh, boys, let me tell uh, the audience about, uh, Design Air Heating and Cooling online at designairservice.com. The great Seth Goldcamp. You know, it's, uh, I'm looking at the forecast and it's going to be in the twenties next week. If you need to get that furnace checked, go to designairservice.com and you can get a humidifier on top of it to make it even better. Uh, Doug Vaughn and I both have done that with Seth Goldcamp. Design Air Heating and Cooling, the official HVAC provider of the Tim McKernan show and the Ryan Kelly morning after. And then also, then also, James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, 314-961-4800, or go online at carltoninsurance.net. Had somebody today email me and say, I'm so grateful you're so passionate about your sponsors because now I am a James Carlton client, and I'm always happy when I hear people are because I know they're going to be taken great care of by James Carlton. I made the switch. They do all the paperwork for you. He is a State Farm Insurance agent in Webster Groves, and he really is the best. carltoninsurance.net or go online at carltoninsurance.net or call 314-961-4800. James Carlton. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton, State Farm. Boys, that's going to do it. I got to go look at Eli Drinkwitz's uh, <laughs> Twitter page now, uh, Twitter feed. I wish there was a show tomorrow. I could hear your opinion on it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm legitimate, and I'm legitimately curious about seeing this thing. Uh, boys, I've enjoyed it. I know we'll be doing some pick sixing as well. Did anybody have a good week, Pete? I I was over 500. Everybody else was under. Oh, is that right? Really? Yeah, it was brutal. It was uh, it was a slaughter. I know I was two and four. I actually wrote my picks down this week. Two and four. Everyone everyone got boned on Cincy. Yeah, that was such a fucking square pick. And it also again, if let me tell you something, if we did these on Saturday, it would or, or Friday even. It's just, it really is. I mean, listen, it's not like I'm any good at this shit, but I mean, I'm just like scrolling through. You don't know the information you need to know when you're doing it four or five days out. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, Pete, congratulations. You are above 500, which is a huge accomplishment in this uh, dog shit uh, gambling. All right. Uh, for Action Jackson, for Gangster Pete, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music, and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home-trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.